Hello friends, Uncle Marv here, recording again live from Pax Beyond 2023 at the Gaylord Resort in Denver, Colorado, doing another technically street interview and found another fellow tech and uh, we're going to chat here. Matt Horning from Blue Tree Technology stopping by the booth. Matt, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, thanks for stopping by and saying hello. We, uh, we had a quick chat this morning. Yes, we did uh, at about, breakfast. About the weather here. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a little chilly, but it's, you know, typical Midwest. Yep, yep. So I'm not from the Midwest, so I, I don't know why I concurred with that. So, <laughs> uh, so for the listeners here, tell us a little about, about your company and where you're located. Blue Tree Technology is an um, MSP in the Kansas City area. We service um, about three or four states now, um, and uh, we're a um, women minority-owned business, and uh, we are uh, really focused in finding clients that fit our core values and are security-minded and um, value technology as a more than just a, a solution to get them through what their immediate needs are, but what they're looking for in the future. Okay. Uh, interesting that you led with finding clients that share your core values. Most companies don't say that. So how do you guys step with your, you know, step with that as your first foot, introducing yourselves to a prospect? Well, we end up talking about a few things that wrap around what they believe in and where they're, where they're looking. It's not hard to figure out where people's core values are. Um, through a few discussions, but um, uh, we find that most of our, you know, our, our raving fans are people that follow our core values, and we follow theirs. Um, if you and the great thing about core value, values that I love is that there's not really a right one or a wrong one. You know, if you are a fast-moving, you know, industry, and you are, you know, your team is a 24/7, and they work all the time. That's a core value. You know, if you are a, a team that's more methodical and you're, you know, eight to five, that's a core value. Which one's right? That's up to you, your business. And um, that's, that's what makes core value so powerful is that there's not a right or wrong. Okay. Now, do you use that to create kind of like an avatar of what your ideal client would be? Like, do you have a set of like three or five traits mm-hmm. that you could simply say, this is what we're looking for in a client? Yeah, we do. We do basically look at a few things. Um, one of our core values is grace with love. Um, so we're all human. You know, we fall short, and um, that can be us as MSP. That could be the client. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that we uh, we we sprinkle everything with grace, and uh, you know, hey, we'll pick up and move forward, and um, you know, figure out what's the best solution, you know, and clients that don't fit our core values either fall away, either they self offboard, right. or we end up offboarding them because um, what we find is that um, it causes stress within the team. They don't fit, you know, there's a constant grind. There's, there's, you know, sand between your toes type of thing. You right. know, it's, 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 it's a rub the whole time. And, uh, uh, we, you know, our, our techs are happy to provide, you know, service delivery, you know, on great service care. And uh, when clients don't appreciate that, um, um, it becomes obvious they're not a fit. All right. So getting back to actually what your business is and what it does, how, you know, how many of you are there and when did you guys actually start the business? 
So I started my, my MSP world to start around 2001. I've um, been doing it for a really long time as myself. It was, you could call it a hobby business. You could call it a career, you know, you know, just a one man band. And about 2015 or so, I decided, you know, I need to, I want a storefront. I'm going to, I'm going to buy a store oh. and buy employees Okay. and thinking, oh, this will take me forward. It was a, you know, the great thing when people say they learned a lot means they usually they lost a lot of money. Yeah, that was my story. <laughs> so uh, I pivoted into that, and um, shortly after that, we had another MSP that approached me and wanted me to buy his business. Not because it was a bad business or he wanted out. He really wanted in. He didn't want to be a business owner. Oh, okay. So um, we then um, merged those two businesses together, and then that's where Blue Tree was born out of. It was... Um, it was a, a design wrapped around um, being strong, long-term, calming, you know, and uh, not specific to any area, you know. Um, there's rivalries everywhere, you know. There's, yep. You know, you get, you know, whatever sport fan you are. This is, you know, we, we're from Kansas City. Of course, we have the Chiefs and the Royals, and, you know, you can't wear Royals gear, you know, and other cities and chiefs in you know, other cities when you're an IT firm, you know. So that's why we basically made it a pretty generic thing. Um, but overall, I think it's gone very well. Uh, we've grown quite a bit since we've merged together, and uh, we're profitable today. Very nice, very nice. So I want to go back to the store concept because when, <laughs> I, when I started my business, my actual vision was to run a store. <laughs> I don't know where that vision came from myself. It felt like I literally, when I bought that business and literally had the keys to the front door, I felt like I arrived. Mm. It was, it was um, an emotional, it was emotional trash in my head mm. is what it was. Okay. And even though it felt good and I felt like, gosh, I have, I have a storefront. I felt like I, you know, etched out my little spot on the, on the planet. Um, the fact of the matter was it was, uh, it was an illusion that I had not, fully thought through and understood what the ramifications were. All right. So I take it there's no store now. There technically is not. We are in a we're in a strip mall, but that's that's fine. That's okay. where our office happens to be. Okay, but it's more like a regular office. Do yeah, yeah, yeah. Do clients stop by and yeah, it gives like? a pl- yeah, it gives us a place that clients can come by and drop off equipment, pick up equipment, you know, come by for meetings and stuff like that. But it's not a, it's not you know you're not gonna walk in off the street. All the doors are locked. You have to have, okay. <laughs> you have, to have a badge to get in. We we do the same thing. We lock our doors and we have a physical office. Now yep. I'm still even though I've. I've, I went through the period of I had techs and then I didn't have techs. Now I have subcontractors, so I'm I'm kind of that hybrid mm-hmm. artisan solo tech MSP. And I was going to ask you, you know, how does it feel to have a physical space? Because for me, we don't. Well, I need the space because of inventory because we actually keep inventory. I know most most MSPs don't, but it gives a sense of legitimacy when a client has to stop by for whatever reason and they walk. Oh. You're legit. <laughs> there is some of that. Um, for me specifically, um, I had to, the other store that I had, I literally sat behind a, uh, a pane of glass so I could see all the, the traffic outside. Highly distracting. And I am completely a squirrel chaser. You know, there's something happens outside, I'm looking out the window and not <laughs> nothing done. So it's funny, my, my office now is kind of like a cave. You know, there's... Four walls and a door. There's no windows, oh. nothing. And and the reason for that is because um, 
allows me to focus. And so it's, I worked 15 years at home and I could make it work, but honestly, I'm way more focused now because I have a place to go to that is designed for me to focus and not, not worry about, you know, whatever's happening on, you know, right. whatever news site or video game site or whatever, you know, what's happening outside. I can really focus on my All business. Right. Interesting. So do you have situations where since COVID do you have employees that don't want to come to the office or do you make it optional? Do you require coming into the office? How does that work? We, we make it, uh, we have, uh, we have people that are onshore. So we have people that are physically in our office, even through COVID our office is pretty big. So we had people, people all through COVID that came into the office. Okay. So we didn't have, um, you know, necessarily people working from home. They had the option. We had some that would take and work, you know, a few days and come in a few days, um, but overall, um, we find the having people in the office is extremely valuable because it allows for, you know, that sharing of knowledge, you know, that, um, you know, someone's on the phone and they're talking about some printer issue and the, their, their buddy next to them says, oh, I worked on them this morning and it was this, you know. So that sharing of knowledge is really hard to get when you're not phys- within a physical s- space with each other. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's worked really well. All right. Well, I've asked you a lot about the business. Let me ask you about your time here. So we, we're in the midst of day two and how have you found the conference so far? It's gone very well. I've, um, um, I've got to see some vendors I haven't seen or have been following, but really hadn't had a chance to dig into deeper. So that's been really good for me. Um, the knowledge that's, that's being handed out is good. Um, you know, shout out to Matt Lee for, uh, you know, talking about CIS and how we should roll that out for our businesses. Um, there's a lot of information here that um, I'm really thankful that we made the trip to come out and check out. All right. And I should probably ask, are you a Pat's A partner? We are. All right. Big Pat's A partner? I don't know. Define big. <laughs> well, do you buy more than a couple of products from them? Mostly Microsoft Office, but okay. uh, we, you know, we... We deal with a lot of that. Um, there's some other products that we purchase through them, um, but yeah, we're uh, we've been um, uh, really happy to see Rob Ray's on board now. Yeah. You know, so um, shout out to him for um, joining Pax Eight, and um, I think with him and watching what, what was spoken from the stage, I think there there's some really good leadership here, and it looks like exciting things to come. All right. Well, as a member of the press, I had to hold tight on some information that was shared at this conference, and by the time this airs you know, that'll be over with. So one of the announcements obviously was the, the new marketplace design. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about that? You know, it's, it's interesting because I love the, uh, the aspect of having a dashboard or marketplace for each individual customer. And um, I think that's going to be powerful. I, I'm, I'm, as he was talking about it on, from the stage, I was trying to imagine how that would work in our business. And, that's the thing about, you know, they want to disrupt the network, right? They want to, they want to, they want to be making waves in the, in the industry. And by doing that, um, if you haven't been privy to think about it before they drop it on the stage, you're like, you know, playing catch up, right? You know, so it's still new. It's fresh for me to figure out how that's going to work really well for us. I'm excited to see probably one of the best things I'm, I'm excited to see is the, um, the mapping to CIS, mm. Uh, for the stack. So you'll be able to look at a client within the, the PAX 8 portal, and, and I might be explaining this poorly, but it looks like you can look at a client and um, 
see how they how they line up with CIS, and uh, so that because we're realistically we're we are moving towards having a framework probably in every business within the next few years to yep. a decade at the longest, but I think it's going to be done well before that. Yeah, I think companies are smart to get ahead of the curve that if if you're not under some sort of compliance regulation now, uh, you should be under some sort of security framework just just to stay afloat in these days and, and to secure your customer. Well, and it allows you a few things. I mean, if you're looking at uh, CIS specifically, which is what they've landed on here, I would recommend it. It's the easiest. It's the most linear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, um, there's a lot of um, business out there that, that are unaware of what this is. And it's our jobs as MSPs to educate, elevate, and um, get them prepared for what's coming down the road. Yep. I am excited myself. I don't know everything, but, uh, you know, hearing the different people talk about it sounds exciting. And hopefully it will help my business. So uh, I think that's what we're all hoping for. And Make it a win-win-win for everybody. Definitely. All right. So I'm trying to remember, we ran each, into each other before, at, at what, an ASCII event? Do you do the ASCIIs or exchange? Yeah. It's possible that um, or if you're doing, um, oh, gosh, it just left me. There was an ASCII event I've been a part of, but, yes, it's possible. Okay. I run into lots of people, so, and I, it's, people, my wife makes fun of me because she's like, gosh, you don't remember anyone's name. I remember faces, I don't remember names, and I'm really bad with it. Yes. Well, I certainly get yelled at for that, and, <laughs> you know, people know me from the podcast, and it's, it's great, but, you know, this is such a big event, you know, yes. whatever, 1,100 partners and 700 vendors and staff, and it's, it's a big place, so. Yes. Uh, great. Well, Matt, thank you for hanging out and sharing some of your thoughts here and uh, get back to the rest of day two. And obviously, you, you're going to stay through the Peyton Manning thing, right? Yeah, I'll be out. We leave tomorrow. So, Day yeah, tomorrow. I'll be here. All right. Well, Matt Horning from Blue Tree Technology, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for the time. All right, folks. Uh, I've got a couple more interviews coming up. Day two, Pat State Beyond in Denver, Colorado. We'll be back soon. Holla. Hello, friends. Uncle Marv here, recording live once again from Media Row at the PAX 8 Beyond Conference 2023. I have to say, this time we're actually in front of a live studio audience, so it's going to be interesting. As long as there's no jeers and boos, we should be pretty good. <laughs> but, uh, I'm joined this time by David Powell, who is the VP of Strategic Sales. And it'll be tricky asking questions because... You just joined the Pax8 family. I did. I came on board in April of this year, and um, I've watched Pax8. I've been a part of the channel for really. Somebody was asking me earlier today. I think it's like twenty plus years. Okay. And um, we did. I've been in MSP space before. It was even called MSP. They're like, you know, oh, it's just recurring revenue and pivoted from break fix yeah. and all kind of stuff. And so, somebody asked me today, how long have you been in the channel? And we were trying to figure it out. And I think, you know, it's been probably about twenty years. So I've been around, watched Pax8 grow up, okay. uh, watched them at early trade shows in their flight suits and, <laughs> you know, when they're doing everything they could to get some attention and stuff. So I've watched them grow up and it was awesome to have an opportunity to join. All right. So when you started, was it just a repair company? Was it an IT services company? What what'd you do in the beginning? Yeah. So my very first MSP gig was a company that we were moving away from break fix. We focused only on healthcare. Okay. So it was in that era. I'm sure you've Pre-HIPA, been around. Pre-HIPAA? Uh, Pre-HIPAA, it was when all the EMRs were coming out. Okay. Remember when yep. EMRs and practice management systems were coming out? And so suddenly physicians had to move from clipboards to 
you know, and away from dictation and move to like entering stuff into a computer. And they, man, did they ever hate that, right? Yeah, I had a client <laughs> that uh, they were still using the digital recorders and they'd stick them outside the door. Yes, and exactly. They would come by and grab them. Exactly. <laughs> so we were pivoting clients from that to suddenly they had to go buy servers because you had, back in the day, it was companies like Allscripts and GE Centricity and all this kind of stuff that were coming out and saying like, hey, Dr. Smith, suddenly you got to buy all these servers and have all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, we don't know anything about that. Yep. So we came in and that was the very first MSP as we pivoted from break fix to, um, to recurring revenue. And it was always funny to me. It's like one of our early physicians, you know, perfectly kind of wrapped up the MSP value prop for us. We're sitting in a meeting and he goes, David, help me understand this. He said, the current guy makes money when my stuff is broken and he gets to come fix it. You make money if my stuff works and you don't have to fool with it. And I said, yes. He goes, well, it sounds like our interests are more in alignment if I do this managed services thing you're talking about. Yep. And I said, exactly. So that was really the way that we, um, that's the way that we got started in this space. All right. Very nice. Very nice. So I have to at least admit, I've got a little bit of a plant question here, but since we are talking about your MSP days, yeah. um, how would you describe the perfect MSP stack? Oh, goodness. So uh, <laughs> I have, quite frankly, I've used all of them at some point, like going way back. We were on, we even use like level platforms, if you remember. I know that name. Way back in the day, LPI and stuff. So we have worked our way through all of them, you know, over time. Um, I've used uh, Autotask. I've used ConnectWise. I have to say that when we did the MSP roll-up, we had a PE-backed roll-up play. We did standardize on ConnectWise primarily because there was so much automation built into the right. billing and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I do think that ConnectWise's acquisitions over time has made it somewhat unwieldy, you know, um, for the MSP community. But, you know, I do think that pretty much the ConnectWise stack is, is the one that at least I've used the most and had the most familiarity with. Okay. I have to tell you, that's not the answer I was looking for. You're looking for Pax 8? No, that's not. What was the answer you're yeah, looking so for? It wasn't even a mention of a vendor or whatever. It was, I want to hear your, your grouper and grit story. Oh, oh, <laughs> man, he set, he set me up for that. Okay, perfect. So this is one of the more famous, like, David Powell stories, if there is one. So back in the day, we had this guy named Charlie. And Charlie was at this company called TechLinks that I worked at. And Charlie was our best pre-sales guy, our best um, tier three support guy, best implementation, all the things, right? And we sold Charlie. We'd be like, hey, Marv, Charlie, you love Charlie. He's going to take care of you. Well, Charlie didn't want to work more than like 60 hours a week, you know, <laughs> yeah. so we could scale Charlie. So I use this analogy internally. We were trying to get people to move from people to process. And so I said, look, imagine Charlie started a restaurant and he served grouper over grits. I live in Alabama. Grouper comes yep. straight out of the Gulf. We love some grits. So I said, let's say Charlie's restaurant served grouper over grits. 10 people come the first night. Charlie can do that. Next night, 20 people come. Charlie's a little more hectic, but he can still make it happen. Then there's like 100 people show up at Charlie's restaurant. And so Charlie hires David and Marv. But people don't want David Omar's group ever grits. They want Charlie's group ever grits. So how can we create a recipe that whoever executes against the recipe, you get the same result? So really what we began to do is move from this kind of people, you know, Marv makes it happen or Dave makes it happen, to a process makes it happen. And so we um, standardized on this book called The Checklist Manifesto by a guy named Atul Gawande. And it really talks about how the most complicated things that people do, which is launch aircraft, fly airplanes, and perform surgery, is all checklist-driven. Yep. You know, what's the pilot do for him? It's this long checklist. And so every time we would have a deployment, we'd come back and look at the checklist and say, like, okay, was there something we missed that we should add to the checklist? And I remember one time somebody said, we didn't have the SQL admin password. So what do we do? We update the checklist, so like get SQL admin password. And so the checklist kept evolving, and after every deployment, we'd sit there, and sometimes we'd be like, nope, all good. Other times we'd be like, let's add some stuff to it. 
but that was how does an MSP scale? Most MSPs get very reliant on Marv, yep. right? Marv makes all the things happen, and really it's this process orientation that allows you to get bigger than Marv will allow you to get. Okay, that was the story I wanted to hear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a good setup, good setup. <laughs> right. Thank you for that. So let's talk about the rest of your journey. So you, you start there, but how do you actually end up at PAX 8? <laughs> yeah. So I've been on this hamster wheel of private equity-backed companies. Okay. So built the MSP at TechLinks, and we bought a couple of um, MSPs in that process, and then we ultimately exited that to Seaspire. Um, and then I went to a company called Logic Monitor, which does uh, infrastructure monitoring, and I ran the MSP business unit over there. Okay. We grew it and sold it to Vista. So then I was doing some advisory work for a PE firm that wanted to um, do an MSP roll-up, so I helped them and come up with their investment screen, investment thesis. We bought the first one, and then they dropped me in a CRO. We bought three more, and then left there, went to Perch, and went to Perch in May of 2020. We went to raise our Series B round that fall. We were so hot that ConnectWise bought us out of the market. So then I was at ConnectWise for four months. And then when I left uh, ConnectWise, I go to serve out my non-compete as president of a software company out in California. And then as soon as my non-compete expired, I came back to this company called Evo, which does identity access management for MSPs. So I'm back over in the MSP cybersecurity space. And then Nick Keddy here at um, Pax8, I've known a long time. He came up to me at an event. It's like, hey, man, we need you over here. We need somebody who knows private equity-backed MSP stuff because that's happening, obviously, a lot. We need somebody that knows cybersecurity go-to-market. We need you to come over. And I'm like, buddy, I just started this company. I said, you'd have to make me an offer I can't refuse. And Nick's like, I can do that. So um, next thing you know, here I am at uh, Pax8. Here you are. All right. And you come over. Now, your, your title is Strategic Sales. Yeah. So kind of explain that because... It's purposely vague, Marvin. Because <laughs> most partners are going to be like, okay, what's strategic about yeah. the sales? Yeah. So what it really is, is this idea of like, how do we teach MSPs to sell cybersecurity? Okay. So a lot of MSPs um, know they need to, know they want to, but they're not comfortable having that conversation. And the reason for that typically is... If, let's just say that you're my customer and I'm the MSP. If I come to you and say, hey, Marvin, I'm here to talk to you about um, cybersecurity. You're like, in your head, because you don't know, you think cybersecurity equals technology. Technology equals what I'm paying you for, yeah. right? And so you want to be like, well, whoa, David, you're not doing that for me already? So MSPs are immediately on the defensive when they try to go have that cybersecurity conversation. So a lot of it is they need to pivot to a risk-based conversation. How much risk are you willing to accept? What does your risk profile look like? What's the value of the assets that you're trying to protect? And that's a very different conversation than they're used to having. So we want to be able to take that conversation, that sales approach that's repeatable and programmatized, and then package that up and take it to our partners. So we really kind of laid out these three journeys. The first is, are you fit? Are you doing cybersecurity well yourself? Because ultimately, you can't be a personal trainer if you're not fit, right? No one's going to take advice from, from us if we're not fit guys. So... Step one is, are you fit? Are you doing cybersecurity well yourself? Then if you are, we want to teach you how to become a personal trainer, how to go sell cybersecurity into your existing customer base. These are customers that already know you, already like you, already trust you, sending checks to you every month. But how can you have that conversation with them about risk, not technology, in a way that makes sense? So we want to teach that. And then the third journey would be, how do we help you, quote unquote, open a gym? So now how do we help you go get net new logos how do we use the vast sales and marketing resources that Pax8 has to bring new customers to you around cybersecurity um, so that we can help you grow your business that way too? So is it fair to say that it is a discussion that 
starts with the MSP not saying, hey, I got this new thing I want to sell you. Correct. It's more of, hey, here's the landscape. Are we prepared for it? Correct. You know, the, the example I always use around that is I went to look at a car I was going to buy from this guy that a friend of mine introduced me to. And it's a six-car garage, and in the far sixth garage is this Ferrari. And my buddy Derek's like, hey, Joe, can we take the Ferrari out? And Joe says, sure, the keys are in it. I'm like, the keys are in it. And he goes, well, if the garage door's down, it's secure. And I think that that's the way most MSPs look at mm. it. It's like if the perimeter's secure, everything behind it is secure. Right. When really you need layers of security. You need the garage door down. You need the Ferrari locked. You need the keys in a lockbox somewhere. I mean, you need an alarm. And you that's right. And so what you want, though, is for MSPs to really be able to un- help a client understand, what are we protecting? Is it a 93 Camry? Well, then park it in the driveway with the keys in it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Or is it a Lexus or is it a Ferrari? And so I think that most clients... Um, don't understand the value of the asset that they have. So one of the conversations we want to teach MSPs to have is like help them understand, you know, what do we have? Is it a Honda Accord? Is it a Lexus? Is it a Ferrari? What is it? And then that dictates how many layers of security you need. So instead of running around trying to sell everybody, you know, solutions that may or may not be a good fit for them, help start with like, hey, Marv, what, what is it that you've got out there in the garage? Well, this is what I got in the garage. Well, you know, is it really that? Is there a the first Toyota Camry ever made, which actually would be valuable and stuff, and then help them understand the layers of security to wrap around that. Okay, very nice, very nice. Well, that sounds like it's going to be fun. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's certainly going to change the way MSPs approach the conversation. Uh, should think should make things a lot less offensive, I guess, when yeah. the customer is like, oh, you're trying to sell me. No, 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 no. Trying to help you. That's right. That's right. And if you want to make it like really fun, Marv, one of the things I like to talk about is like, you know, you and I are sitting close together right here is I've said this to a client. I'm like, hey, guess what? I'm going to punch you in the face. And you're like, what? <laughs> and then you'd be like, now there's things you can do to try to dodge it. There's things you can do to lessen the impact, but there is no option that I don't punch you in the face. Now, when you think about cybersecurity, you will be breached, right? There are things you can do to limit the yeah. impact, there's things you can limit the opportunity, but there is no option where you can say you're not breached, right? So how much risk are you willing to take? How much opportunity are you willing to give them to punch you in the face? And I think that most clients like to think that this is a thing that's never going to happen. Right. So it's a lot more honest just to say, like, hey, this is going to happen. So what can you do to lessen the impact and what can you do to make it a little harder? But even if you had a trillion dollars to spend, I can't make you secure, right? Right. Well, it's interesting because I've used the analogy of, you know, how many times do you hear on the news somebody say, oh, never thought that would happen here. Oh, yeah. You know, never, not in this neighborhood. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Or if you went into like the cardio ICU at hospitals and somebody just had a massive heart attack and you put a microphone, they would have been like, I would have exercised and eaten better years ago if I knew this is where I was going to be, right? And so it's just like healthcare really is like there's a lot of things you can do that can improve your outcomes, you know, give you a longer potential life, but you don't have any certainty around that, right? Same thing with cybersecurity. There are things you can do to improve your outcomes, but there's really no certainty around that because the bad guys are really clever. Yep, they are. They are. So, David, uh, let me ask you this, and I'll try to not be horrible at asking, but (laughs) are are you still in the 90-day rookie stage? You know, um, there is no 90 stay, that 90 day rookie stage. I think it's about 90 minutes at Pax 8. <laughs> okay. It's like they throw you so in. You're in. They throw you in the deep end. In fact, I'm doing the live, um, 
like YouTube TV show every day recap. So uh-huh. there was not a break-in period, if you will. They okay. just all right. so tossed me in the deep end of the pool, and here we go. All right, so, so you're all in. All now, in. Now yeah, we're you know almost done with day two here. So what are your impressions of the event? You know, I think it's really great, Marvin. A couple of things around that is like one is a lot of events are like back to back to back to back to back, and the the best part to me of conferences is like standing around talking to people and yeah. like, hey, what, what are you doing about this? And that kind of sharing. And I think that we've created, you know, a great content and it is a full schedule, but there is enough space for those collisions, you know, to happen. So um, partners can talk to other partners and share things around that. Then the other thing too, is I feel like we're focused so much on education, which is actually really, really good is I do feel like education. Um, no one wants to admit they don't know something, but if you give them the opportunity to go to a class on it and learn it, then it's, uh, they can do that when still retain their pride, you know, if you will. So <laughs> yeah. it's good. I think that we have all this education and really what we're doing with the partner program too, that we're building is like, I want to put partner success first. At the end of the day, if partners are successful, PAXA will be successful, right? So how do we make them more successful? And I think that's, you know, um, what this event is focused on and what I'm focused on here at PAX 8. Well, I will say that I've told others that I think the, the format of the conference and the tenor of the conference has been great, where partners are walking out of those sessions and they're not saying, oh, I got pitched. Yeah, you know, They're actually talking about what was said in there, and that opens the door for them to talk to each other. Uh, about everything. So, uh, David, I know that uh, you're busy. Um, so thank you very much for taking Absolutely. time to, to speak with me here. We appreciate and you being here and giving us some coverage and opportunity to tell our story. I'm so happy so to much. do it. Happy to do it. And uh, good luck. And yeah. uh, hope, see, hope to see you next year. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks All so right. much. Appreciate it, Mark. All right, folks, that's going to do it. And uh, we'll see you soon. Holla. <laughs>